What's up, Zach? How do? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing real good. You like this one? I do. I don't think I've ever heard this version, though. Is this an original? It is not. I'm doing that on purpose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know the song, right? Everybody I do know the song, yeah. The Wait by the band, right? Yeah. Um, singer? Any guesses? No. Oh, my goodness. Guess what? I mean... Aretha. Good job. It's Aretha? <laughs> that is Aretha. Oh. Yeah, I you would, know not have, you I know would not have gone there. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. A couple reasons why I'm playing this. Story. Okay. I was thinking about it. Because obviously, I like the music vibe, right? Yep. Uh, we've been bro heavy. Super bro heavy. That's, in general. From that's guests weird. That's weird. to yeah. uh, music selections. A lot, of, a lot of country lately. I don't know. Maybe it's a depressing thing. Might be that time of year. Um... But after yeah. after the last episode, <clears throat> talking about Luke Combs completely bastardizing Fast Car, yeah, I decided to go the other way. Here's a cover that deserves the respect that it's owed. Okay, you I like agree? it. Yeah, you like it? yeah. No, I do. Yeah, uh, I like the uh, steel guitar at the beginning as well. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I wasn't expecting Aretha to be. Belting no, this one out. No, nah, I had th- I, I had one of my playlists on the other day, and this popped up, and I'm like, oh, this is a nice one. Yeah, it's good. This, it's that intro. It's real quick, easy. You know, makes people wonder. Yeah, it's true. Um, Keeps them guessing. So we got a couple things going on today. New episode. Um, yeah. Looking forward to this conversation today because we're going to cover everything. We're gonna we're gonna peel some more onions back here on the St. Louis landscape. Yeah. Um, we also we have a camera on us. We do. So. Hopefully, you should be able to see this on YouTube, assuming no technical difficulties. And if you can't find it, then just assume it didn't work and move on. Yeah. Um, we're going to go there. Uh, we are at that Mecca once again. Yep. The Amsterdam Tavern. The capital T, capital H, capital E. Amsterdam. And while we're giving shout-outs to Amsterdam, I have to give a, a shout-out to the Sando Shack. Ooh. Because prior to recording, I hadn't had time to eat. Went over and got their... Um, chicken karage sandwich which is a chicken thigh breaded delicious curry fries yum our guest had a different sandwich i'll let him talk about that yeah we're gonna we're gonna gonna be really important to talk about those kinds of culinary review yeah i mean we're gonna turn this into kind of baked in part two yep and talk about sando shack i like it i like it i like it um so a couple a couple quick thank yous and um you know, the guys over at the Pinnacle Loan Group, they've been great, you know, helping support the show. They were even kind enough to offer up four tickets to the August 20th Austin FC game. Yep. Um, we are asking individuals that are listening or checking it out on social media, shoot us an email at uh, to Pod at gaslightstl.com and uh, just say hello. Let us know which episode's your favorite. And we'll enter your name into the mix uh, to win it. We've got uh, a handful of emails already, all shooting us their favorites. So jump in, jump in the queue, see what we can do here. So thank you to uh, Pinnacle Loan Fellers. And I love the emails because they're a review, a bit, you know, not just talking about their favorite episode, but why it was their favorite episode. What did they like about the show? And so please keep the emails coming. It's really been helpful for us to kind of help shape 
the future of what we're trying to do here and, and keep things moving in the right direction. But I, I had to give another promo. I, I'm stoked about today. What do you this, mean? This guy is one of my favorites. So I'm a little excited. Well, he's here. You don't have to like I, I'm not trying to blow smoke. <laughs> I'm not. But He was avoiding us for a long time. He did. I've been texting, I don't know, four, five, six months. Yeah, he's he's really busy. Playing possum. Yeah. <laughs> um, he reminds me of Bill uh, Bill Murray's character in <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox. You're like, what? Me? No. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so we'll get into that, but we got to get to our pinnacle points, too. Yeah. Well, well, no, I also want to thank another supporter of the show now. Uh, they've jumped on because they're like, you know what? We think that your listeners probably need our help, and that would be oh, yeah. Crescent Plumbing Supply. Yep. Uh, and I'm like, well... At, in my previous life, right? I was a general contractor for a long time. Did a lot of kitchens and baths. Some of you are working here. Uh, did did a lot of the work here. Um, but when it comes to kitchens and baths in particular, we've done a lot of renovations for families that, you know, old house, need new shit. We're growing. We need more space, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be honest. I've never seen couples argue more <laughs> over any part of a renovation than whenever it comes to those two rooms. Um, number one, they're expensive. Yes. Uh, number two, there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. And Pinterest fucks everything up. Yeah. Because it's just unrealistic expectations. Yeah. You can't do shiplap everywhere. <laughs> no. No. And gold is really not in. <laughs> the budget or anyone's taste buds. Um, Crescent Plumbing Supply. Check them out. They've been great. I've worked with them in the past. Uh, you know, they can walk you through it. And bottom line is... It's it's easy. It's super easy. So thanks to those. I guys. will be looking out for that. I just have to make a comment too. Your your read for them, the ad is spot on, and I love it so much more than there's there's a competitor of theirs that has an ad out on regular radio, and the guy Who listens to regular radio. I, poor saps like me, <laughs> but the guy in the ad says, and the wife really loves the built-in beverage cooler so dumb like who says the wife i drove back from chicago the other day after a weekend visiting friends yeah hudson jewelers grew up with them they're yep. a granite city staple yep they are now in edwardsville and other marketplaces yep they still have billboards that say happy wife happy life Ugh. for jewelry company it's like stop yeah. just stop yeah it's not 1960 now, that being said, I did say, do say in the spot, and you'll hear it here in a second if you don't skip over it, uh, it's much cheaper than therapy. I believe that. <laughs> Truly believe that. If you can get along in a home remodeling process, it's going to save you a lot of money in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So, pinnacle points of the day. If you're a listener to the show, you know uh, we roll these out. Um Zach, you go first. Today. Yeah, it, it's a combo of just disappointment, and I hate to be negative on a pinnacle point. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to turn it. <clears throat> but last night was a sad night for a St. Louis soccer fan because the men's national team could not come together and beat Panama. I mean, a late goal in extra time for Panama. Ferreira with a beautiful equalizer. At, in the, at the end, and then he misses his first PK. Uh, go back and watch this and prove me wrong. The goalie for Panama dove to his right every single time. Okay. And he saved two shots to his right after five guys 
shot, and he dove to his right. Yeah, but we still had two guys look, shoot no, to their left. I never played goalie, never cared to play goalie, never cared Hell to no. dive into goalie theory. Nope. But I am cognizant of odds. And in PKs, if you haven't done a ton of homework, why wouldn't you just dive the same way every time? Right, but if because you see that okay, but as a shooter, five which shooters. all three of us have been. Yeah, but everybody's always going to guess, well, he, this time he's going left. That's what's going to go through these young players' minds. Okay, then go up or right. Oh, because that's super easy. No, I'm just, just saying. Put it in the upper 90, right? No, not saying upper 90, but shit, not down into the left. Well, let's let's not get into the weeds of goalies. Nobody likes goalies anyway. Sorry, <laughs> goalies listening. Um, yeah, just the ones we've had on the show. Yeah, at the end of the day... We are the theoretical powerhouse in this region. Yeah. And we just lost to Panama. We're out of the gold cup gold cup now. Out. Um, it's got to be better. It does. And I understand what US soccer's doing. I understand that there's a rotation of players. I understand that you expand the pool because you're still a number of years away from the World Cup. You're trying to figure out what the right chemistry is. You know that your biggest players are in Europe right now, acclimating to new teams or preseasons. So you can't rock that boat too much. Yeah. But at some point, fucking win. Yeah. So, let, let's not let's not overthink this thing. It's like the Gold Cup is the developmental league now for the U.S. Like, oh, we're just going to try this out, see if it works, and see if somebody can rise yeah, but up the, above. But, I, I mean, I the, that's Amer American exceptionalism I, I agree. On, on a ridiculous So on, on the second part of my deal is City lost for the first time in three so games, four your, games. Your pinnacle point, too? Yeah. And I thought they played very, very well up front. For 60 uh, minutes. For 60 minutes. And then a breakaway, which was a ridiculous breakaway pass and finish by Vela. Um, and then it just seemed like the wheels just completely fell off. And then we brought in Leuven. We brought in other folks. Just couldn't stop it. And they, they rattled off two more, and we ended up going I, I, down. Now, LAFC is reigning champions. It was at home. I'm not... On a get, Wednesday. Yeah, on a Wednesday night. It, it's not a bellwether for things in the future. I just, it was unfortunate that they went down like that. I just find these games anymore, specifically here in St. Louis with the social media warriors that are all now, you know, <laughs> soccer analysts. Um, you know, when you, when you read the commentary and all the millions of things that were wrong, it's like, look, it's really this simple. It is a very long season. LAFC is a very good team. We have a significant amount of injuries. We play a style that can grind your own team down a little bit. Yeah. You've got short turnaround. You also know you we have had a no game Tim on Parker Saturday. Either. You're coming home on Saturday. And even though Messi will not be playing, the expectation to not let the Messi wave roll you over oh. is there. So which game is more important? You know, they're all important. But it's a loss. It's a long yeah. season. Good I'm team. With I'm with on. you. All right. What's your... What's your pinnacle point today? Uh, my pinnacle point of the day, as I just mentioned a little while ago, I don't really prepare for these, but after our conversation <laughs> earlier, uh, Curry in, is in, in in fact awful. It's, that's it. That's my point. <laughs> you, can, you can counter. Let's have this debate now. <laughs> well, I, I will counter and say that Curry as a spice is actually a, a, a more of a melange. You can is look that what? up. Melange. It's, it's a mixture. Of things. Okay, my pinnacle point three, Curry's awful. We're done with that one. Pinnacle point four, uh, I'm going to jump to Wrexham. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great debate. I think you won. <clears throat> yeah, I, I did. I mean, wait until you see point the feedback taken. on social. It's going to be incredible. They're going to be like, oh my God, he's right. 
Uh, Wrexham, six Emmy nominations. That's insane. Um, the Wrexham wave is just, it's, it's the mushroom effect is, is kind of incredible. Um, almost daily on Twitter, you'll see another round or po- uh, camp of uh, athletes or movie stars or pop culture, fe- you know, featured individuals getting into the soccer ownership game. Yep. Um, I think it's brilliant. I th- the United States needs help. Um, yeah, we got that from Jan. I, and what I mean by that is, like, you know, we talked about last night's game, the Gold Cup, and kind of the rotation of the players and our and our complete uh, consistent lack of con- consistency, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Um, so when I look at you, soccer in the states and the things that have to happen for this to for us to hit semifinals in a World Cup or better, uh, it's going to take a village. So when we do have uh, the popularity of the game being increased by a J.J. Watt or individuals like that picking up ownership stakes in big-name teams, etc. It just brings awareness to the game. Uh, it will, <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately, uh, create more armchair quarterbacks. More people will care. More people will have an opinion, fine. which leads to sponsors having an yep. opinion. Yep. You know, there's a domino effect there. Yep. So um, – the fact that Wrexham, what Ryan and Rob have done with the team, um, you know, par- frankly, parlaying off of the, the success of fucking Ted Lasso, you know, I, I, I can't believe that Ted Lasso didn't have an influence in the early stages, you know. Of- I'd like to look back at that because you've made that statement before and I'm not challenging because I, I have no credibility, but I think I feel like they came out right around the same because Wrexham. They're small camps. Yeah. There's no way they did not know about what Sudeikis and crew were doing. They knew, it clearly knew about the campaign ESPN had ran. Uh, yeah. It's coming down the pipe. You know, that's a big, big gamble to buy the team and then go to Hulu and get it all funded if you don't know that there's some kind of, like, Hollywood appeal to the whole package. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, I can't, I can't argue with it. I just I'm, – I'm curious to see how that correlated – well, regardless, I think it's good. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's, it's just going to make it more fun. People are going to be engaged. And speaking of Wrexham, uh, our boy Wayne. Yep. Bartender of the turf there at Wrexham. Um, next week, I'm going to have pints with him. That's so awesome. Pretty crazy, <laughs> huh? Kind of a small, weird world we live in. Yeah. Because um, yeah, Wrexham is playing against your beloved Chelsea Blues Yes. In Chapel Hill on the 18th. I hope it's like 32 to nothing. No offense, Ryan. Yeah. Does you know, Chelsea have enough people on their team to field <laughs> a squad right now? Oh, I or? think we do. I think technically, okay. I think we have like 78 people signed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> with <laughs> with, right. with 63 of them on loan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's my pinnacle point. Um, we've got. Uh, again, I want to remind you guys. Hey, if you want those tickets, chance of tickets, shoot us an email. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And then, um, y- you know, when it comes to the show, all of the support has been amazing. Y- y- send it to a friend. That's actually yeah. would be a brilliant gift to us um, because none of you have found the Venmo QR that I have on the <laughs> website yet. So, so let's let's go the cheap and easy route, free. Just share <laughs> yeah. the show. We appreciate that. That'd be great. Um, we're gonna take a quick break here at the. Amsterdam Tavern, uh, get some refills, and then we're going to roll our guest on 
and talk a little bit of uh, the game and kids and academies mm. and why Curry sucks. You I think the guest might disagree with you. I don't know. He's wrong, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Winslow. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? We're back. It's a fun one, right, Zach? Oh, yeah. Got to gotta ask, you know this one, right? Cars? <laughs> That'd be no. Talking heads. Uh, close. Devo. Devo. Oh, this is the hat video. Uh, kind of, yeah. Like cone, the, cone head. The cone, like the, yeah. With whips. Yeah. Cause gonna, it's gonna whip it. Whip it. By whip Devo. it. Right, right. As a kid of the 80s, true Gen Xer, it's a flashback, man. No, I like it. Makes me feel good. I just remember the video a lot. When MTV played videos? Yes. That was like generations ago. Now they play movies and ridiculousness. Isn't it all? Well, that's about all they show. That's it. That's it. Well, we're back. We're down here at the Amsterdam Tavern. And if you're watching on YouTube, assuming this works, and if it didn't work, then ignore I'm saying it again. Um, we, I am drinking in ice-cold Carlsberg. All three of us are. Oh, really? We went, sprayed the infield? Yep. Nice. I just figured it was easy to do that. It is. I mean, yeah. they have, have a lot of options. Oh, 40, 50 solid beers. Yeah, they're know. all good. I mean, I've had. I usually choose between three of them. As an Everton guy, all my uh, co Everton people are going to hate me for drinking this, but. Uh, we won't tell them. <laughs> but now that you've <laughs> talked on the air, we actually have to in- introduce you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Guest today. A uh, friend of ours, actually a long-time friend, been around the kids a long time. Long time. Um, is currently over at Lufus Athletic as the pr- uh, program director, correct? Correct. Uh, for the soccer program, we have the Mr. Ren Herzog. How you doing, Ren? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So let's just get right to it. Uh, why'd you blow me off for all these months? And not come, like I did expect that question. <laughs> Is that the only homework you did? That, that's it. I, I, that's why I asked when the show was first started, because I was like, I don't feel like it's been that long, but it has probably been that long. So Okay. Yeah, we got time. Go ahead. That's it. <laughs> not a great answer. No, that's okay. You're busy. Just say you're molding the future of youth sports youth soccer we can use that as the excuse That's actually i thought it was when he told me off off mic was that he was so nervous about he just wanted to make sure it was perfect so he's mm. been preparing is that farsi yeah. for uh fuck that guy <laughs> a lot of practice speeches <laughs> in front of the mirror yeah 
<laughs> he bought a mic and everything just to record himself. I'm at home all the time while you guys are on the show. I'm on. I'm at home. <laughs> oh, if I, I was in the hot seat. You're like, oh, I could have answered that way I better. This, yeah. I knew that answer. Yeah. Uh, how you been, man? Busy? Busy, but good. Yeah, really good. So, um, I mean, just the landscape of soccer in general is blowing up all over the place. We were talking about it, um, you know, before the break, just U.S. soccer and Wrexham and popularity, et cetera. <clears throat> and St. Louis is... And has always been, um, you know, if, you know, listeners of the show and anybody, you know, with half a brain knows St. Louis has always been in the mix. Uh, Lou Fuse Academy, you guys, have, Lou Fuse Club, um, you guys are part of that. You've been part of it for a long time. Um, just kind of give us, give us a little bit of, before we get into any of the weeds, give us a little state of the union. You know, how, how busy are you guys? You know, the, 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 the team count, the, the momentum, you know, you, you just had the girls run through the GA, mm -hmm. uh, national team or, uh, national competition. I mean, you're all over the board. Just give us a state of the union on how the club is doing, you know, and you know, what the landscape looks like right now. Yeah, things are crazy. I think credit to City and, like you said, the popularity of soccer altogether. Um, but the club has soccer, lacrosse, and football. Um, and soccer's growing. Lacrosse is growing. Football is growing in its own way from a flag football standpoint. Um, but it's uh, the soccer landscape is um, – we've never seen the type of growth that uh, in the last three years, obviously coming out of COVID when I first moved over to Lufus. That was a whole different time. Um, and then this past year, we hosting kickarounds and tryouts, the amount of kids that are dipping their toe into a different sport, um, it's it's at an all-time high. And holding kickarounds um, at Gallagher for the decade before that, I've seen big numbers for a long time. And I would say, and I'm sure the Gallagher guys would agree with me now more than ever, um, it's it's the biggest it's ever been. So, Do, do you think that... It's are, are you kind of uh, skimming kids, interested players or potential players from other sports? Do you think it's just kind of uh, natural progression? You know, where, where do you think all these new bodies are, are coming from compared to 5, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, I would say it's from other sports. I think they chose something else. And now that city's here and it's in it's on tv and it's in their backyard and they get to go to a game it's all of a sudden that they're hey, i want to try this um which is what kick rounds are for a lot of them are not picked up for a competitive team but you know routed to a different avenue or different club or whatever what what it may be but um it's definitely coming from um other athletes you know players that are playing other sports and saying I, I love baseball. I love basketball. Let me try soccer, too. Because I'm a good athlete, I'll probably be good at this. And they're seeing it now in their backyard, whereas before, it was always the Cardinals, you know, and it was always baseball or basketball. Or um, if you had money, hockey. Hockey. Lots of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, and we have a lot of, I mean, a lot of hockey players that duel with lacrosse more so than soccer, I would say. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely from other sports, and it's not like there's – there's definitely a, a, a growth and a boom happening out west for sure, but I, I don't think it's just because there's more kids. I think it's, you know, there's other clubs to go to. I think specifically in Maryland Heights, Fenton, the growth is coming from people that are going downtown to watch city play on a weekly basis. Cool. Yeah, I just, I, I, I echo what you're saying, and I, I've seen it now. I mean, I've got a kid, my youngest now is in a different club, not Gallagher, not Lou Fuse. 
And it's a newer club. It's the Stars. Uh, it's got a but, lot of but friendly that, faces. That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> but they do. They they've had some some sessions at night, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and these are, oh eight, all the way down to oh you know fourteens, uh, 2014s, and they're averaging a hundred and twenty kids per night, and that's just the boys, and that's a a, a club that is not. One of the, you know, it might be there someday, but it's not in the same ranks yet as even the SDA, which used to be uh, the sporting. And so I think the growth is not just happening within the larger clubs. It's it's happening everywhere. And there's there's more and more outlets coming. Yeah. You know, we I was talking to uh, Jason Glover the other day, you know, over at uh, Steamers, mm-hmm. you know, they're you know, there's there's they're battling to figure out how to make the inflow a little bit easier, you know, because to a degree, a lot of the larger clubs, Gallagher Fuse in particular, you know, you guys put a couple posts out. Next thing you know, you got 500 kids that show up. Oh, yeah. Ready to be the next Caden Glover, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mickey Perez. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, But these, these smaller clubs that are wreck up through the middle ranks, um, you know they're they're all doing better. Everybody's growing. Yeah. Uh, do you do you see that sustainable uh, over the long run? And do you guys, do you guys have you guys talked about as an organization? Um, because there's only X amount of fields. There's X amount of coaches. There's X amount of time in the day. Yeah. You know. Do you think there's like a critical mass, or does the club have a vision as to we're really good at say 300 teams or whatever the number is? Right. You know, and above that, we bec- we diminish our value. Do you guys ever, you yeah, know, 100%. Look, look at that? It's, the biggest thing I would say is staffing, you know, field space sure. in St. Louis. I think anybody that comes here is like, holy cow, I can't believe how many turf fields there are in just Creevecourt Park, Lufuse, and STLDA right in that vicinity, let alone Fenton. And you start going out west, Rush, and Rush has their turf field. So I don't I don't think that field space is, is the biggest issue. I think there's always more space if there's more money to put – more turf fields down and and allow for more players to play i think it comes from like an actual staffing perspective of having quality coaches um train kids and actually get them to progress actually get them to develop instead of just putting a brand on something and sending them out there with anybody it's making sure that there's quality behind it so um in terms of reaching a a plateau or, or what have you in terms of the the implication you're making um i would say there's going to be a spot for anybody who wants to play soccer in St. Louis for a long time. Um, I think that's what's great about competition and hearing about stars and watching their development over the last couple of years. They've done a tremendous job. Um, And steamers, too, on the girls' side specifically. Like, There's a lot of other clubs, not just those two, that are getting better and better and and some that have been around for a long time and and you thought they were maybe going to disappear. And now they've... They've kind of like reignited, and whether that's the growth of the sport in general, but um, yeah, because I mean, you, you've got you got Rush out west, you've got Gateway Rush on the east side, you've got Glen Ed mm-hmm. up on the yeah. north side of Madison County, and all over the place. Specifically, to Fuse speaking on the club's behalf, um, do you, do you guys feel like there is a threshold? Do you you know because 
especially now that you guys are, uh, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but adding, you know, the, the MLS Next level, you know, up through the higher age groups, you know, you've got ECNL, you've, you've got very high level teams or categories that you're filling. Uh, do you fear, um, you know, that massing or growing it too much could potentially affect the quality of the top because it, you know, the, the, the bottom third takes a lot of your time or is the plan to just keep finding good trainers? Um, how, how are you, how are, how is Lou Fuse planning on addressing that growth? Yeah. The growth model is all about the younger ages and making sure we, we will develop bigger pools. We have a certain number at each age group that we like to get to. Um, and once we're there, we're not looking to get bigger. Um, it's, basically a number based off the number of players that are on a team for the amount of teams we think we needed an age group to be competitive by the time you get to U13. So if it's, you know, 12 teams and it's 10 players on a team at U9 and U10, that's 120 players. Obviously, we keep that amount of teams and add two players when you go to 99 and 11 and 12. So that adds, you know, another 20 right. players in the age group. Um, and then by the time you get to U13, not to say there isn't growth there, there is because you have a natural roster increase from you know 12 players to 16 players or 18 players for 11 v 11, um, but we're not looking to add new teams. Well, don't and most most clubs though at 13, <clears throat> 13, 14, you start to see attrition. You you do start to see for sure kids kind of disinterested. We're, or we're I would say, and I would just, we're on the opposite side of that, knowing that a lot of smaller clubs struggle to put together 11 v 11 teams they might have enough to compete in 9 v 9 and they have like seven really good players and then five of their friends that maybe soccer they don't really care about but they play because their buddies are playing and then when it gets to u13 and they're like we have to find another four players that we already have five that are very great right. in terms of our level now we got to find another four we're going to find them and what happens is those seven good players decide we probably need to find a higher level yep. the five mediocre are like actually i want to focus on a different sport or do something else and that they move off not to say we don't have that same thing that happens at fuse but we do receive a lot of those players from smaller clubs at u13 that are like hey we're going to come in as a group and we've got six or seven kids and we're really good we play at whatever it is division one of slicer or wherever they are fitting currently we'd like to find other players and because our club has 130 140 players in that age group we can find them a home and then you know find them a staff coach so we do grow more i would say at u13 u14 we really hit ours at u15 where people are like it's high school i'm deciding soccer's not going to be what I what I do or yeah. I'm going to do it but I'm going to focus more like on a fun so so let's get into uh, let's get into a little bit of the weeds uh, when it comes to <clears throat> player development training and that process of starting to funnel teams um, you know as you all know we're very very familiar with the Gallagher model uh, the kids are over at city now we you know we've we see that we you know uh, the path we understand how that path works um, at fuse my question to you is um, in those u7 u8 up to u12 um, how do you guys approach that youth development um, and in communicating to parents to you know be, because the kids you're not really talking to a 10 year old right. hey let's talk about your future yeah right um how do you guys manage talking to the parents and and working through uh that process of select because that, that's really what it is you, you're in that age group you're 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 an established high-powered club 
Um, and parents have a certain expectation. 100%. And, and now that the parents are also watching City on TV oh, yeah. and following it on on socials, everybody have these, I don't want, and I don't want to say this flippantly, but these delusions of grandeur, you know, as it applies to their little Johnny and Susie, um, you know, how are you guys managing and communicating through that process for those kids and families that are, you know, that are that are maybe the one percenters or let's say the top five percenters, you know, what what's your strategy there? Yeah, the I would say at U eight going into your U nine years when we have parent meetings, basically every single team or every single player that's in the club, their parents are brought in for you're about to enter into the competitive scene of U nine soccer in St. Louis. Here's what it looks like, um, and then. From there, you have your own you know, your meetings every single year where you try to continue to educate parents. But parent education is such a um, a hot topic for us that work in the industry because um, <laughs> well, because they can Google the answer they and they and exactly they can <laughs> they can do um, they have a large part to play in this right largest larger than any of us do as staff. They get to be with their kids for ninety minutes twice a week they are around their kid all the time and the things that they say to their kid are, you know affects them and affects their performance so i think educating them at at that age and they're paying and exactly they are the ones that they're are the bank the yep. paying customer so it's important yep. that they understand that not everybody's gonna gonna make it to the professionals or or collegiately or even to playing past the age of u12 right or playing in high school or whatever it might be i think some of them hear us some most of them probably don't hear us and think my kid's different. I can remember having, you know, coaching education with you guys in the ballroom at Soccer Park years ago saying, like, it is so important that we're getting out in front of these parents and being as transparent as we can because we're not right. trying to sell something we can't, you yeah. know, provide. We are we're providing a service to where your child is around a team environment and they're getting better and we're not promising them collegiate scholarships or professional contract we're promising them an environment to develop so so in the current environment along those lines knowing that so many new parents to the game or you know people that, that you know maybe they're ex-players and now their kids are coming up and they're you know approaching the teen years you know the when they see a miggy when they see a caden when they when they look at what is happening right here in the backyard has that created more of an unrealistic expectation than previous years? Um, and, you know, because that's, that's something that, I, that intrigues me to know in as far as how do you guys manage letting parents know this is where your kid really stands right now in spite of what you're seeing and what you think? Yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's any different than the years prior just because kids like Maggie and Caden have, have done what they've done and there's homegrown and you can do it now in St. Louis. When Before that was the case, parents still believed their kid was going to go pro and it wasn't yeah. the United States, it was Europe. You know, It was like, yeah. well, my kid wants to play for Arsenal. That's the next Josh Sargent. That's great. But Tim Ream. Yeah, it's, it's you know, very few and yes, far between. Um, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I would say it hasn't changed at all in terms of that expectation. I don't think it's been heightened just because it's in our backyard. I think it's always been a sense of delusion in terms of where everyone thinks their child's going to fit. Yeah. I, to be clear, though, there are a lot of parents that are easy to deal with and totally understand um, the expectation. Um, I think that's been one of 
the things that I found most refreshing in the last couple of years is that I've seen that more. Maybe maybe it's flipped it that there is an expectation of like now they understand how difficult it really is to get there because it's so close to home instead of it being because it's close to home it's going to be easier for everyone now they understand how difficult it is i don't know if that's a possibility but i've seen the opposite effect actually where i think i had a lot less realistic parents with the with the groups that i was dealing with um Mm -hmm. for a long time and now it's i think they all understand like they still want their kid to get there and they hope that if they're in the right path that they can get there but well i think you know there's the american idol effect that's what i call it where a, a we, parent. We, we can all sing in the shower. Right. And and you can I'm hear really your kids good. sing in the shower, which, creepiness aside, then you put them out in public, you think they're amazing, and then Simon Cowell rips you a new a-hole and says, <laughs> yeah. no, your kid actually shouldn't even sing in the shower. You should be a carpenter. Right. <laughs> with, a, with a muzzle. So, you know, I think <clears throat> there is that effect on soccer, on any sport, any anything. Oh, my kid's a great artist. Oh, really? I don't know what that is that you're showing me. You know, so I think what's... Ab- it's abstract. Yeah, it's abstract art. <laughs> well, and there's no, like, specific set journey. Look no, at, there's not. And I think journey, that's, at journey. that's the part, you know, like, we talked about the anti-linear path that every pro from the United States has taken. Every You talk to Tim Ream, Josh Sargent, Miggy, and Caden, all four of them have a very different path to how they got to where they are right now. Now, there are definite foundational elements that are the same um, as it relates to youth development. They all went and played and, and learned from paid, very, you know, in, Ex- engaged. Except for Caden. Except for Caden, who was not in that environment until later in his development. So, right. again, you just, there is no linear path. And I think that's the hard part. We talked to Jan Proin yesterday, or on I don't know, a couple days ago, from the Netherlands. Dutch touch. The Dutch touch guy. In Amsterdam and in, in the Netherlands, there is a clear path. 100%. Um, because there aren't diversional options. Here, you have high school or academy. You have club versus rec. You have college or pro. Now, you well, we don't also usually have, get to choose we also between have some the, of those. But. but we also have the big four sports uh, yeah. competing. Yeah. So... So there's a multitude of layers of choice that is being provided to these kids. Um, here's my question, and this is a recurring question <clears throat> on on the show with a number of guests that are in an identical position to you. And that is, what is it? How do you define it when you see it? You know, we just talked about a number of kids that some of them you were probably around when they were younger. Um, and I'm always curious because you guys are at the soccer field all the time. And, and in particular, looking at U6, U7, up through U12 in particular, in that kind of young radar world is what I would call it. When you look at a kid and you see a kid out there that does something or does things or presents an attitude or a style that really excites you or that you know we we would say hey that kid has it what does that mean to you when you hear that and 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 how would you describe it yeah i don't i don't believe in that um because of everything that i've seen for the last 15 years of players that had it and don't have it anymore (laughs) um you didn't keep it yeah it's like it's a it's a very um 
it changes so much. You know, I, I think of all the players that I was so fortunate to work with that are at City's Academy or in City or playing for City or, and what they look like at U11 was a lot different than what they look like at U14 and then at U17. And now at their ages now, they're different. And it's, yeah, for sure, you look for athleticism, you look for mentality, and that's like the way that they move and the way that they work. And of course, technique is at the foundation of everything that I like to teach, so I, I like to see that. But a lot of the players, it's you teach that later on, and they're just fine because they're athletic. They're well. Let, let me let, let me create a part B to the question then. Um, sub U twelve. Okay. When when you're running because you've coached so many kids uh, pre academy or elite etc that are in those age groups mm -hmm. that are arguably or theoretically the kids right yeah what what do you value more um, kind of a tactical technical uh, a kid that illustrates skills or do you like the mental competitive fortitude characteristics shining through you know if you were to weigh the two and you had to pick one, which yeah. one do you like better? Um, I would currently, where I'm at in my career, I would take the competitor and the athlete. Um, early on, I took the technical player that understood the game the best. And I think for teams to have success, you have to have a balance of the both. We're yep. talking about individual player development right now, and the players who have the most success later on probably have the best combination of all those things that I just said. But... Yeah. It, it it's the players that are the most the the toughest and the most athletic and when I say toughest I mean the fortitude the mental aspect where it doesn't matter the temperature outside or anything else there's no there's no external you, factors that you that, want them on your team the, you have to have them and I don't care if they can't play I don't care if they can't pass I don't care if they have no understanding of the game I'll take them and if if I'll put time and energy into that and hope that it works and some people aren't going to grasp it some people aren't going to grasp the technical side of the game some people aren't going to grasp the tactical the tactical side of the game it's not guaranteed just because we teach it the same to it's like any classroom setting you teach the same thing to 24 kids and some are going to get it some aren't um you'd hope that by putting them all in a similar environment that they'd be similar kids but they're not they're all different kids and they come from different backgrounds and they have a different understanding so i don't know if that totally answers your question but i feel like i'm I'm not giving you definitive well, I answers. No, I mean, I, I know going into this, that is not an easy question. And nobody yeah. really knows what the ultimate secret sauce is. And I think that the 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 common denominator in all of the answers that we've received from posing that question is it's kind of a factor or a combination of all of that. Um, but I think that the one... Let me ask a third part to that question. Whenever you see a kid... Uh, take take Caden or or Miggy right because you know you kind of saw him for a longer period of time yeah. did you see that competitiveness early and more importantly year over year or maybe you know uh, you know level to the next level did you see that competitiveness maintain kind of its average advantage or did it increase over time um, meaning, did they become more competitive as they got older and as the training and everything kicked in and everything else got easier? Yeah, Miggy played with the 04s. Um, <clears throat> he's an 05, um, speaking in birth year, obviously. So he played with the 04s. Um, and then before nationals, the 04s won nationals at U13, USYS nationals. 
um, and Miggy wasn't on that team. And that was a big to-do at the club that he wasn't a part of the team because he had been with the O4s for so long. But knowing the competition they were going to go against, um, it was decided that he would be better off playing with his own age, the O5s. And that group, it, it was just one of those years that didn't have a lot of success. Um, not to say they weren't, there's a ton of talented individuals in that age group, um, but Miggy was supposed to lead the O5s. And I think we talk about journeys, that was a, a hiccup, you know, in terms of from his mental fortitude of what that meant to him to be dropped from the O4s, where he could be, you know, a center midfielder for arguably the, the best team at that time in the country at U13. Now we, found a loophole within the academy that allowed us to play USYS while still having the full academy roster. Yeah. So uh, that didn't We hurt. won't tell anybody. That There's statute hurt. of limitation. Okay, that. good. I yeah. hope so. Um, but, you know, Miggy not being with that group, I don't know, you would argue, like, was that a disservice to him? But Or did it push him? Did it motivate him? Um, and his his response to that was really good. Now, he he left and, and there was moments where he was with other clubs and all of that. Um, but to your earlier discussion about academy or non-academy, you know, I think there's a point to be said about that, about Miggy's career, but he, he increased his competitive nature. In my opinion, after that, there was a yeah. sense of maybe anger or resentment that pushed him to drive. Yeah. To be something more than yeah. maybe to prove a point, to prove, he was different, um, and you know, to his credit, obviously, it, it paid off. Go ahead. So I, I said at the beginning of the show, before we even brought you on, and I was excited to talk to you because <clears throat> we had Ken Godat, one of the first four or five episodes out here in the back patio. <laughs> and you two, you and Ken, um, I credit with a lot of where my son's fervor for the game his technical understanding started and you and Kenny are very different coaches <laughs> and, very and, different people and his neuro- neurosis uh, well yes who do who do we blame <laughs> for Grady's neurosis that's a that's a good question um, <laughs> it's genetic we'll, we'll talk about I know that later. I know who to uh, <laughs> it might be me yeah yeah I'm gonna print I'm pretty Brent. sure it's the guy to your right <laughs> yeah yeah definitely on me uh but I think what I loved about the the way that you handled yourself with the boys was the passion. And every person that we've brought on here that has had success in either the coaching or the playing, the passion is there. And, you know, we're going to get into, I think, more the, the controversial style of, of talking about high school versus academy. But before we do that, I just wanted to say... After refills. Of course. Uh, part Priorities. two is... And I'm not, I'm not sure there's really a question here, but I just feel like coaching style also has an impact on these kids. And I think about education. There's always that, that person who goes, my fifth grade, yep. whatever teachers, what yep. inspired me to do this. My high school theater teachers, what got me to be into acting. I think the style of coach, in addition to the personality of the coach, also has a major impact. And I want you to be able to talk about that a little bit because the last time I saw you coaching on the field with my kid, you were engaged from pregame all the way through, and you had in-time instruction. Um, you'd pull a kid off and write that in there, explain what they did well, what they did wrong. And we've had other coaches that I love that never say anything during a game. It's all done during training. 
So I would love for you just to kind of walk through a little bit of your coaching philosophy. And I know now you're you're working more with with girls, I believe. Yeah. Um, which is a wholly separate thing. So can you walk us through a little bit of that? Yeah, um, definitely believe in in-game coaching and specific instruction upon the moment. Um, and that's been all part of my growth as a coach as well. Um, learned the opposite. Learned that you just let them play. Um, all the coaching is done in training. In the games, it's for them. Um, totally believe that the game is for the player. But there's nothing like in-game experience. And yeah. to, to figure, to have failures in the games is a great experience. That's how you learn. But if you don't, if it takes you seven times to fail, to learn it on your own, but a coach can help you fix it or, or not have that same level of failure after yep. three times, why wouldn't that coach step in and help I, out? I, yeah. So it just depends, I think, on the tone. <laughs> um, I think that's where my my growth has probably come. I, my I, tone has I think, been I think he teed you up. He, he loves that answer. I do. I, 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 I think it's so important. Now, maybe when you're 20 years old or 17 years old, you don't need that because at that level, you should be able to watch film and Well, I tell you what, back, let, me, let me play a devil's advocate for the two of you then for a second. Oh boy. Just, just for the sake of fun podcasting. Oh, okay. Um, if you are, and I'm going to jump to the highest level, academy. If you're an academy program and you have kids at the U15, U16 level, um, U14, the youngest, whatever, um, do you think that there's value in not in-game coaching from an evaluation standpoint because just as we were kind of alluding to the early in earlier in the conversation where you're trying to evaluate or discover it you're looking for intrinsic traits in kids yeah. and kids and skills and abilities if you're at the high excuse me the highest level at u1415 and above don't you think it kind of makes sense to potentially not say anything game wise in order to see who truly is that one percenter. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that on first and then kick it to the professional. But I would say if there is an actual feedback loop post game where you're watching film well, and no, you're well, going through that. No, no, hold on. Let me, let me finish. But you're adding a caveat to No, I'm not adding a caveat. Coach. No, I'm not. I'm not. Because in the days we're talking about with, with Ren, there was no game film to watch. So unless the kid could remember exactly what they were doing at that moment, the next time the coach got to talk to them, there wasn't an opportunity for them to understand that and, or point it out. Unless that exact same situation Wait, happens in a, a training. Go ahead. Yeah, here's what I'll say. I think <laughs> I think U15. You you said U15, U14. It's like to me that sounds so old because I'm used to working with nine and ten year olds. <laughs> yeah. But you have to remember they can't drive. Yeah, those kids are really they're still young. in puberty. Like they have, <laughs> they're totally you know ignorant yeah. of what's going on around them most yeah. of the time. So, um, it, those moments you're talking about where you can sense whether they're grasping, they're like you'll see a kid. They understand they didn't have success. You can talk to them about it maybe at halftime and not have to provide that in-game instruction in the moment. You can still provide it, or if it's at the end of the game or whatever it is, in, whether it's a first half or second half mistake. But if it's a mistake that continues to, can, to happen and you're not seeing it, obviously I think that's where the coach. Sure. That's where the sure, coach's sure. job. Right. If you're saying you're waiting for them to see it on their own, I would. My encouragement or my thought process would be you limit the amount of mistakes or the amount of waiting time you provide. Um, if they're going to make the same mistake over and over and over again, it might be because they're not capable of 
making a, a, a great success in that same moment if it was presented to them five minutes later, whether I say anything or not. So for sure it's a balance of the two. They're still 14. I think there's still a time for them to get instruction that they would appreciate as a player. Sure. I, I, and being a player that never really got instruction, I just had to figure the game out on my own. I can remember you know, being at Gallagher for the first couple of weeks and learning technique the way that I now teach technique and the way that I would say St. Louis teaches technique um, from a toe up, heel down, ankle lock when you pass, things like that. The intricate details, we didn't hear those growing up. Mm. You know, you just you just heard pass it better. Figure it out. harder. Yeah. You know? Don't miss. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> watch the ball. Kick it harder. Yeah. So those little, those details, I think, should always be given. And it's as simple, like, hey, your ankle wasn't locked. That's why. And they're going to know it. And, of course, you're looking for that it factor. But, JB, even at the highest level that we have, you're still comparing them to the highest level in the world. Right. And our highest level city in St. Louis is still behind the highest oh, level yeah. in the world. So you still, how long are you willing to give them where you might be able to flip that quicker? And yes, we are trailing London and Amsterdam, but we are leap years ahead of Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> so, but can, I, I can, can a, we agree there? Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, I want to make a, a well, quick co- comment on, while quick, the music's rolling out. Quick, because quick. we're rolling. But I think your comment about the kid should figure it out, or they're not the one percent. No, is no, the no, same, no, no. Is it same thing as no, saying? That's not what I said. I hope I didn't hear that. I didn't say I didn't they should figure it out. I'm saying I'm looking for a kid that can figure it out. Right. But to me, that's in the same line as when somebody's like, well, gosh, your son plays soccer all the time. Aren't you afraid he's going to burn out before he even gets to college? Well, that's up the, to my kid. The whole the whole point of this is that they figure that out. And so it's just a matter of how much instruction let they me, get. Let me, let, let me take it back to 1992 Nintendo One. Okay. There was no YouTube channels. For me to learn the secret button patterns to win a game, you had, oh, to, you had to get the gamer magazine. Figure it out, right? And you're either intuitive. <laughs> you said you had to get the gamer magazine. <laughs> I don't get a game. Wash Mo? I mean, you guys think gamer magazines out <laughs> you guys there? Had to cheat. Uh, yeah, I did. You, you were <laughs> still getting like. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to no, go there. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there yet. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We're here at Amsterdam Tavern. Uh, we will be right back with some more banter with Mr. Ren Herzog. We're rolling out with a little Duran Duran. like it. You like that? Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really. As families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So, when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. It's cheaper than a therapist. We're back. What do you think of this one, Zach? I think it's great, but... Going a little Euro, sitting in Amsterdam Tavern. You know, you get certain... Here we go, listen. Do you know who this is? Nope. Robbie Williams. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
very pretty British man. Yeah. Not as pretty as Becca. No. Man, how about his success? That's or unbelievable. It's Grealish. So great for him. Beckham? Miami. It's so great. Dude, that photo of him yesterday in that suit and like waiting. He I mean, he is the new Don Corleone. It's it's very cool. He is Godfather. I was a big Beckham <clears throat> fan when he came to the United States, so it's good to see him have success. Well, we're back. We got our refills. Zach, what'd you go with this time? I have the Civil Life Golden Ale. Hold it up to the camera. Show people how golden it is. It and is again, golden. golden. It doesn't work. Oh, that looks good. It's good. It's got a little hop to it. But It's another Carlsberg. See how much clear, clean that is? There's less additives and <laughs> all that other stuff in there. Flavors. Flavors. What are you talking about? Stop yourself. We are uh, We're back. Um, Ren, I got a question for you. And this is actually uh, Max, my number three. He's nine turning 10 um we talked to mitch hunt the other day this will be an episode that actually will come out after this one um little man came up with a question that i really loved and he asked mitch and i'm going to ask you the same question as a director as a trainer do you have more fun working with kids that need a lot of help or training kids that are really good Ooh, i know that's a very good question um more gratification coming from players that need a lot of help because you see it instantly uh you can see the growth it's more fun from a challenging perspective as a coach to work with the top level player and try to get them to grow um it's it's harder because they've they're great at all these little things and the things that i teach they're usually if they're a top level player they're really good at them already um so to push them to be even sharper in some of those areas i would say it's probably more fun for me but working with players that can't kick a ball and then all of a sudden they figure out how to pass and their fight their faces just light up there's that's hard to replicate with the top level player they don't they're so that top level player is such a perfectionist you don't get a lot of smiles out of them you know in a in a private where or they're, even in yeah, a team they're all, they're all setting, punks they're just like <laughs> you know insufferable when they do something great they're like yeah that's what i expect to do and then you know a, a player who's trying to get better and just growing at a at a lesser level, you see that smile. That's yeah. It, it makes it a lot more fun. I don't know. That's a. I probably answered that both ways there, but no. I think it's a, a great answer because it is. It's nuanced and it's not a situation where it's black and white. It's just about well, the topic well, we're going to cover well, I, here. I think. Yeah. No. I mean, we're going to move into that in just a second. But but I think I I find it super um, inspiring. Maybe is the right word. Um, to, to give you a lot of kudos, whenever I look at individuals like yourself and I look at Ken Godat and I look at a guy like Jason Glover with what he does with these kids over at the steamers, I, I, it, it's super easy to want to coach kids that are old enough to not cry when you yell at them. <laughs> and that can... I don't know what that's, what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, when you say, get in line, they can get in line. And they're not, you know, the, the, the proverbial, they're not picking daisies, right? Or hanging um, from the goalposts. Yeah, because I always joked. I, like, I, I would literally tell Kim, my wife, because all three of my kids, she's like, you, you have to coach. You got to coach them. Be part of this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not good with young kids. It's just not my thing. <laughs> Um, you know, when I look at individuals like yourself in the clubs that, that really spend a lot of time on that U6 through U12, 
Those are tough, tough ages, but you guys like thrive. Um, why? 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 What, what is it about the young kids outside of the business side of it? Yeah. Like as 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 a sport lover, you know, we, we know that you need a farm system and that is your farm system yeah. for the academy, CNL, et cetera, GA teams. Yep. Um, but how how do you maintain enthusiasm for dealing with coaching with training individuals that some days could give a shit, yeah. you know? And they're they're young kids. They're extremely impressionable. How do you stay focused? I, I was gonna say. I think you have to understand what you're dealing with and know that like, who knows what happened in their day, you know, coming into practice or like what their home life is like or what they did during school or what the highlight of their day was. You get 90 minutes to have fun with them. Yeah, you're talking about a seven year old that had really tough. Econ two hundred three, <laughs> but they could have been bullied. They could have regardless not eat. Oh yeah, night. for sure. There's Zach. Save the day. Hey, <laughs> again, they, they come and they're looking to have a good time. So you have to be ready to have fun with them. And if you're only there just to be disciplining and making sure they're following the rules, then I think you're missing the whole point of what we're doing. Um, for yeah. sure, my focus is on player development, um, but that doesn't mean that I neglect that this is supposed to be fun and if they don't love it they're not going to keep doing it so as many touches as they can get on the ball if it's boring they're not going to come back so i'd i'd like to think that i've actually started my career with the ymca and one of the things i learned from them was that you have to drop your cool card at the door and it was like you can't be you can't be you know, I was coming out of college, so you can't be a college kid anymore. You got to be. Were you cool coming out of college? I don't. I wasn't that cool. No. <laughs> um, but you had you had to drop your card, whatever had it might ask. be. Yeah. Just had to ask. Um, so All right. Anyway. Let, let's let. It's time to get into the mud a little bit. All right. Let's do it. Uh, you've been waiting for this. I know you've been waiting for this. Probably why you avoided my phone call for a while. <laughs> <laughs> there was no avoidance. Uh, the other day, uh, we had Dave Ehrenberg on. I think it was episode sixty-three. Three. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, and the conversation came up. Dave is the head coach of the men's and the women's program at Ladue High. Um, the topic that took a lot of time. I, I got to be honest. 90 it, minutes. It was like an hour 40 episode. Yeah. It was one of our longest ones ever. Yep. And it was a long conversation about the role of, uh, the expanded role of academies, um, the amount of players that they're taking in, the perception of uh, ProPath, you know, because, you know, MLS Next has the tagline, you know, Path to Pro or whatever it is. Um, so there's there's that, and then there's the, the academy versus high school baseline debate of, you know, kids that are in academy can't play high school, you know, which is really a new debate over the last uh, 12, 15 years, maybe, mm-hmm. at max. Um you know, and here's these programs, these high school programs that see these kids coming into their schools. They would love to have them, et cetera, that, you know, that they they can't. They're playing on an academy team. Uh, and now there's an expansion of academy. Team. More clubs are adding academy levels. So there's going to be another kind of small group of players, uh, small slash medium size, whatever we want to call it, that are yeah. moving in there. Um, so let me just start with this simple, basic question on that side of the fence, not your side of the fence. You, and, and, and I'm just going to kind of qualify your side of the fence as you are Luke Fuse Athletic. You guys have Academy. You guys are going to be playing MLS next. Um, and to, to add to that real quick, not to, to derail, but 
on the girl side, you guys have a unique yeah. GA that I don't think any other St. Louis group has yet. Uh, yeah, SDL, DA does have it. Oh, DA it does. Okay, so, yeah, so talk so, about that too. So here's my question, and I want to go to the other side of the fence. High school soccer. Um, what is your overall opinion of, the, uh, of high school soccer? Um, the value? Um, uh, you know, wh- where do you think that it falls in today's landscape? Just generically, just a 10,000-foot view. Let's start there, and then we can kind of start moving into the pros, cons, the club's position, yeah. you know, your strategy, et cetera. Well, when I was playing high school, it was there was no academy. So every the high school competitive level was unbelievable, and it was the top players were all playing high school soccer. So, um, and, and my, Tell everybody where you... Uh, yeah, Southern Illinois Freeburg High School. Yeah. You would, uh, I'm sure there's not many listeners that know where that is. But. Yeah, actually, oh, no, we're, we're, we're big on the east side, thanks oh, yeah. to okay. uh, yeah. Granite, the, the Granite, Granite City. Well, Granite City killed everybody at, at the time. Um, Thank Edwardsville, you. Edwardsville and O'Fallon were coming up there. But um, well, you, know, you know why? You know why they were getting better? Why? Everybody from Granite City were moving up the bluff. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Brutal. <laughs> it's amazing how that happens everywhere. <laughs> um, anyway, so high school soccer. In St. Louis, obviously, um, going out and watching games in the last couple of years, it's definitely not um, at the same level that it once was. Um, can, talking about 15 years ago um, to where it is now. What, it's, let it's let me, inter- I'm going to interject okay. a couple times here, yeah. I, and we'll keep going with your answer. Um, the the quality of the player on the field um, is, you know, that, that competition. Competition's still there, but the level of the competition potentially has flatlined a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the environment itself, you still have 300, it's 400, 500 people, you know, coming, coming out, to games, students, yeah. et cetera. It's very fun. So that aspect of it, it continues to provide a right. unique experience. Well, and they're not coming to watch whether it's the greatest game of all time or they're coming to watch their friends it's a social and they're coming to support their school and so that's right. not, i don't think that's ever going to go away you know and i think people come to games the people come to freebird games and there's not a high level of soccer being played um i'm sure most of the kids <laughs> did most of the soccer. people from freebird going to watch the game know that it, it was, was actually, actually soccer no. playing on the field <laughs> no they were there for the track meet going around um no <laughs> yeah, they were there for the popcorn. Like the Washington yeah Missouri popcorn crowd too. Uh, but anyway the 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 crowd's never going to go away, in my opinion. It's still I, I go watch state cup games, you know, and I, because I know some of the kids that are playing, or I got to coach kids that are now playing in those games. But the the overall level, yeah, it, I mean, it, it has dropped off. The the top players have elected not to play in high school, and you there's probably few and far between the number of names I could think of. Um, Sam Rowan, who ended up at SLU, um, that decided to play high school. Um, AJ Palzola, who was in the academy for a long time, decided to play high school with CBC, um, that said, I do want that experience, at least for one year at, at the highest level, because we got a shot to go win a state cup or whatever it might be, um, and elected to play high school over academy. I think that number happens frequently. I do think there are a lot of players that are like, it's not worth it. They maybe see that the path to pro is for the very small percentages. I would say it's very, very almost 0% of the kids who aren't playing academy that then end up making pro. And that would be my out the, the opposite side of the fence that you asked for. Yeah. So, so then do you think that 
And this is something that's been resonating in my own brain, uh, thinking about this whole debate, because we've been, I mean, I'm just going to be blunt about it. We've been inundated uh, because of that episode with uh, individuals that are reaching out like, yeah, you know, these kids should play high school. Such great experience and blah, blah, blah. And, and we are living the academy process right now with our own kids. And so we, we have a unique take on it and that we see it. And we go to these events and we see kind of the uh, benefits and the eyeballs and the environment and all of that. And, and, and I guess my thing is this, like MLS Next defines itself and there's the tagline path to pro, right? Do you think the problem might simply be in, in adjusting that, that tagline a little bit? Because the path for the vast majority of even the MLS Academy kids... It's still college. It's still college. But isn't it all in the interpretation of that? Path to pro. Isn't isn't MLS next the path to become a pro? Is there another way to become pro and not play in the highest level at U15? Well, I think that the debate on the high school camp will say you don't have to play MLS Academy to be a pro. There are other paths. I mean, what, not, what not all cars are SUVs, but all SUVs are cars is what Ren's saying, basically, which is, well, who, while not, well, maybe not every kid that plays in the MLS Next is going pro, you're not going pro unless you play MLS Next in this country. That is, yeah, that is what I'm saying. But it would be very hard. I, I would say I, maybe in the past. I would say I'm, I fundamentally, I'm 99.9% in agreement with you, and I, I leave room for that one basis point of there's always a Rudy. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, 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 Rin doesn't know this because he didn't listen, but I hate that movie. Yeah, we can we can go sideways for a second real quick. Do you like Rudy? Of course I like Rudy. You don't like Rudy? No. Who doesn't root for the underdog, man? It's not an underdog. It's not an underdog. An underdog is somebody who actually Oh, this is going to be something. fun. You might want to drink now because this is going to be interesting. No, I just, I he didn't, he didn't, no. He was he the manager. He off. Listen, he was the manager of the football team and at the end of the season the last game they threw him in there to throw him a bone all right so let's parlay this back to the topic at hand so basically what you're saying zach is rudy doesn't exist coming out of the high school ranks on a path to pro god no 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 (laughs) no i think it would be very difficult for a player to with with how um, prevalent mls next is now U13 through U19, if you are at U13 and decide, I'm not going to go MLS next, I'm going to play another level or a second level, whatever you might call that, in a different club or in the same club that has MLS next but not do MLS next at 13, 14, and then in high school hits and you say, I'm not going to play MLS next, I'm going to stay in high school, I'm going to play second level instead of going MLS next, I find that hard to believe that at 19 you could go play pro and go you can go to college and coming out of college to then go pro at 22 23 i do think is a difficult task so not having that training do you think though that we are maybe we're deeper into the discussion or the debate uh based upon our geography uh in so much that we have tremendous high school uh pedigree historically we got incredible soccer pedigree period from the club standpoint all the way up now we have academy uh, representation with City SC, Gallagher, Lou Fuses now uh, mm-hmm. added the teams up. So we're not a typical marketplace, whereas take a uh, Tulsa, right? Sure. Uh, OKC or whatever that whatever that club is, uh, 
Oklahoma Strikers? I energy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the energy. one that okay. EC now okay, is, right? Yeah. yeah, okay, energy. You know, they're really, really good, but they're also in a, in a region in which high school soccer isn't exactly the, you know, uh, it's not the crown jewel. You know, that's still football country. Um, there are no MLS teams, so when you think about the potential of path, those guys, you could have high school players that could be the ultimate diamonds or whatever because you don't know because that's just the region that they're in. We are in a marketplace in which choice is prevalent. We have a lot of options. Yep. Um, so let me let me here's my question. Do you think that the academies, uh, specifically Scott Gallagher, Lou Fuse moving forward, do you think it's going to be important for the clubs? And, and maybe just speak on the behalf of Lou Fuse. Do you think it's going to be important to frame the narrative to make sure that the goal, the path, instead of leaning on this path to pro that everybody's like, oh, that's not real, because that's the argument, you know, and these kids are going to lose their opportunity and experiences of high school. Do you think it's important, and how are you guys going to manage what the real goal is, knowing that the vast majority of MLS Academy players, they're going to college. That is the path. Yeah, this is, uh, the answer is probably two parts. So first you have the fact that at U15 or whatever city decides what age group they'd like to start at, if it's U15 where it currently is, they're going to come in and take what's supposed to be the best players in St. Louis at U15. And that might change. And then at U16, they take different players if they don't like the players that they currently have so arguably the top 22 18 to 22 players in that age group in st louis should be playing for free in a professional environment at from u15 through u19 so for us to sit there and try to say that we're a path to pro and our u19 team i think our teams are very well aware at u19 at u17 that and again we're coming into a new environment in terms of having a full pathway for the MLS next, having 17s, having 19s, and saying you're going to get looks from D1 programs because we're going to be playing other MLS next teams. The expectation for those U17s and U19s is to go to college, if that's to answer. Like, that's to answer your question. Well, let, well, let me ask you, is that, and you, you don't need to pull the, the, the curtains back if you don't want to, but moving forward, are you guys strategically planning on, as kids coming come in, agree to join the academy, come out, kick around, try out, etc. Are you making it clear that the st strategy, that the goal is college placement, or are you leaning into more than that? Our goal before U15 is to push players into the city environment because we'd like to develop the most players for the professional environment that's in St. Louis. And then after that, if you're 15, 16, 17, 19, you didn't make city, the the conversation is your your we have the you know individual development plans, your IDPs are about what you where you want the game to take you and what's realistic for you. And the all those realistic conversations are going to be collegiate universities for the first years of your career. If you can go pro of a, a you know a stepping stone within college, great. Um, Dan's a great example of that. He didn't play in the academy, but he played high school soccer, right. played for Georgetown, and then went pro because he, he did it the hard way, you know, and that's where I think he is like, yeah, this is, we're not, it's going to be really difficult for us to develop pros if the top 20 players in St. Louis in this age group are already gone for four years and we're developing them at a high level 
and that'd be great if we can place them all in Division One programs. I mean, there's having these um, platforms. The biggest thing is the exposure that you get, and I'm sure as parents, you guys understand that. Like, yeah. and I don't know what your goals are for your two boys, but well, he he better be paying my bills in a couple <laughs> years. That's my goal. <laughs> if you're but, listening, Beckett, step up, Mofo. Yeah. But the but the girls, you know, we just hosted the GA Nationals, and it was it was. Like for me, being around Gallagher for a long time and then being at this program, University of Florida was there. Like every school, LSU was there. Maryland was there. Penn State was there. Was kind of like all these schools are there. Well, let me let me ask you a question. Were there uh, women's professional scouts there? Were there European women scouts there? Was there Not that, that I'm aware pro of. path? Not that I'm aware of. And then okay. like the list that was provided on the girls academy website was list of college coaches it wasn't list of professional coaches looking for players yeah because that is one of the major major differences whenever you get into the 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 men's side when you go to an mls next event predominantly it is ncaa but i would say well yeah 15 percent. that's a large number then of at least agents Maybe not necessarily designated scouts. team scouts, but I yeah, think they're scouts because they didn't, they don't need. I well, mean, you'll see, you you will see the like Real Salt Lake has scouts at almost all the games. Well, but what I'm talking about, like the, the Man United has a has a team that goes to all of those too. Yeah, you Man know United, what I'm saying. We so have some German scouts that so there's op- things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So most times it's agents that are there too. So yeah. like, so there's a true eyeball perspective. Well, the reason the agents are there. Is because of the Caden Glover effect, where you've got 15-year-olds who are signing these contracts and they have no representation, and so it's an opportunity for some of these agencies to sure. come in jump and in, and come in, and and pick up these kids at 15, where they're not going to make a ton of money off that kid at 15, but if he pops at 19, 20, they're getting a payday. The clubs are now getting paydays. Um, and I mean the development clubs. Now, I don't mean the, the pro clubs necessarily. I'm talking about yeah. the Lou Fuses of the world, yeah. the Gallagher's of the world that have, I, I, I'm guessing, and, and you might not be able to answer this, but what we're hearing more frequently, we heard it from Don Ebert, we heard it from Tritshu, that you know if, if a developmental club, whether they're MLS next or not, if they have agreements with MLS, if a kid goes into the academies for these MLS clubs and then gets a professional contract, there's a kickback. That's a terrible word. There is a... <laughs> it's called a royalty. Royalty, royalty back yeah. to the, 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 the club. Can, can, is it safe to assume that Lufus has a royalty structure baked in for the kids moving forward? Um... Um, and do you I'm, need an attorney to answer that yeah, question? Yeah, I was going to say I'm probably not. I'm probably not the right person to answer that question. <laughs> All right, so let, let me let me get a little bit more into this because I mean it's I'm I'm and basically I'm projecting out questions that have been posed yeah. to me or arguments, right? Because I have my opinion, and I'll I'll save that for a later date. But um, moving forward, when you look at the high school experience as you know it, as you know. Uh, kids in the St. Louis metropolitan area, you know, at the, at the bigger high schools in particular, right? The CBCs, the Vianis, you know, even the Granite Cities, Edwardsvilles, et cetera. You know, there's a certain uh, experience that those kids have. You know, and earlier we talked about the difference between a technical, technical, tactical kid versus the athlete competitor. 
Because in the high school ranks, everything is about competition. There's one goal. Mm -hmm. You want to win state, period. That's it. Your whole season is based upon one trophy. And many times in the academy marketplace, of course you want to win. Of course you want to win your division and you want to go to the showcases and the playoffs and all that. You want to win. But when you talk to the powers that be, a lot of times that's important, but it's not a priority. We want to develop players. We want to develop. We want to train, right? Yeah, it depends. Depends on you. Well, you, yeah. you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. I mean, because that's that's that argument is a real argument or that that theory is a real theory. Do you fear that an overemphasis of pathway, an overemphasis on development without really leaning into competition and grind, which high school, that's really the only... I'm not saying they can't develop players. I'm not saying they don't have good coaches. What I am saying is what they do have definitively is you have one goal. Do you think that some kids might miss that, that might benefit from that, that are bubble because we're talking about rosters that are minimum 18 average 20 some 22 23 so you have a two three four five kids that are the bottom third yeah i mean are you are you talking about like what level are you talking about because think about your other academies you brought up the netherlands think about their academies and what their focus is. They're well, on. there is no high school soccer. In they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like you're you're questioning whether or not the competition in the United States of high school soccer affects what exactly? Well, what I'm doing is projecting the argument that some of them make in so much that the experience itself, the, the competitive nature of high school, the learning to win, the, the locker room aspect of it, they're that there's value there and that helps add potentially to pathway, college pathway. Do you, do you buy that argument or do you think that the academies are just still? I mean, I, if you're talking about top level athletes, I don't, I don't know if competition is up for debate. If you're talking about players that are in the academy, if you think they just go out and want to look good or play a pretty style and they don't care about winning, I would say you don't know those kids well enough. And you I know you have a kid in your house. Yeah, no, I mean he's I, the most competitive. Again, I, I'm, I'm I know a, you I know what you are. I know what you are. Conduit. I get it. But let me, <laughs> you're asking a question. I would say you guys know you guys are good examples of dealing with academy players that live in your household. Are they competitive or not? Yeah, I think we'll, they're a pain we're, in my ass. I'm gonna I'm gonna this is more devil advocacy than I am typical of, which is weird. But Well but you're Switzerland. You I try to be that way on mic. I'm, I'm, Off mic, I'm I Prussian. Definitely not. I know my position. <laughs> and I, I have mine as well. And I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna peel the onion back a little bit for me. And and I think not for me, but for this topic, which is, there is a fear from some that when you talk about the kids that are at the city academy, you're absolutely right. That you mentioned it before. Those are the top 20, 23 kids supposedly in the city at that age group or in the area. After that, you have now two yep. academies where there was only one additional. So yep. within two years, we went from having one academy, which at the time was Gallagher, mm -hmm. and that was supposedly the, the top of the, of the group for that age. Now we're saying we have one at city, that's the top, and then there's one at... Gallagher, and now there's going to be Fuse. And yeah. I'm not going to say which one I think is top or, or, or next. But 
is there enough talent within this age group, within this area, to support the idea that we can have three, maybe even now they're talking about a fourth, academy-level group that will still get the same amount of eyeballs, the same training, to push them to the next level. I think that's where we get into these discussions with some of the folks, which is, it's a negative term, but watering down, meaning when we expand the pool for what we say is academy level, and that was Ehrenberg's point. He's like, what used to be the, only the top 20 is now like the top 80. Well, I think I think the quote was uh, that what is what was the 1% is now the 5%. Right. Where Something does, like that. Where does it stop? So that's, that's where I, yeah. I would love your perspective because you've seen all aspects of this. And, you know, if, if you're a high school coach or if you're, you know, a, a, a parent who hasn't gone through this, you don't. No, necessarily. Yeah, I think and it's not ignorance. I mean, it's not it's not stupidity. It's just, just ignorance, not knowing. Because you haven't gone through it. And so the, I would love for you to, to comment on that. Yeah, sorry. Um, our interview process to get MLS Next had a lot to do with demographics, had a lot to do with um, successes of just the overall soccer community in St. Louis, not our club or anything. Basically asking, are there really 54 players in a specific birth year that can compete nationally. Yeah. Um, and there was a large discussion about that. And um, I think it has a lot to do with the growth of um, spread out competition. Yeah. So you talked about stars and what they're doing. Um, you look at what STLDA has been able to do, previously sporting, what we're doing now at Lufuse. There are more clubs producing players than there were five years ago. Absolutely. So if you look at the age groups that we're talking about at 06, 07, <clears throat> 08, you know, for, for, for sake of argument, at the time when those kids were U11, U10, there was really one club in town focused on staff being yeah. around those kids. And, and now there's a ton of clubs that are putting staff around U10s, yep. U11s, U12s. That's a good point. So the pool should be like there's no reason for it not to be if gallagher is doing their job if fuse is doing their job if stlda is doing their job if the stars are doing their job if these other smaller clubs that are producing really good players at u13 are doing their job with their staff that they've hired like that's totally different than the the environment that i was in a decade ago at gallagher where saying we had staff coaches with our teams was the opposite of a lot of other environments now you can't that's not just the only thing that's better than at other clubs so to develop 54 players to me that's not a big number because i'm used to dealing with 220 players at gallagher 160 players at lufus in an age group yeah whether whatever it is around the the city that are developing 15 20 20 out of 220 should be pretty good 15 20 out of 160 should be pretty good so if we get to again the highest level if we're all in the right environment, I don't think 54 players by the time they're U15 because it's really 36 players at U13 because there's no city at U13. Right, right. There's no city at U14. By the time they get to 15, that, okay. it's 54 players. <clears throat> right. Okay, so so I just had an aha moment. I saw it happen. I like, thought. No, okay. no, no. Fifty. <laughs> you said 54 players. We need. You had to sell that rough number to MLS Next for the inclusion to increase it, right? Because it's really also regional. You're not, you're not talking about, like, 
they're not asking you, Lou Fuse, and or Gallagher, in addition to City, to be relevant coast to coast. It's just within this region, can we... Right, there's a radius. Right, right. Because you're talking about, in essence, you know, this the Midwest circle. You know, draw a 500-mile boom circle. Because you, you have to logistically still have teams within the league, within the divisions, to be able to play like teams, etc. Okay, so here, here's... I, I'm going to go to the high school side of the, uh, of the argument. 15 years ago. 54 players is the number currently that you just mentioned. Okay, if we go 20, 15, 20, 25 years ago, and you take... Within our metropolitan area, you had Granite City and Collinsville on the east side. On the west side, you had Slough High, you had CBC, you had Viani, you had DeSmet, you had, should I should I give Jared a shout out? Sure. St. Dom. Okay. <laughs> All these teams that arguably within their marketplaces not only competed here locally, but whenever the east side teams... Granite, Collinsville, et cetera, would go up to Chicago and play the largest mm-hmm. metropolis, you know, outside of New York and, and LA, LA yeah. Chicago, right? And win. And then you take the St. Louis marketplace and take your pick of any of those five, six teams. You know, Kansas City didn't really have a chance. Right. The state title winner was going to come from our marketplace. So for the longest time, those numbers, we've exceeded those numbers. Right. Because you can take every one of those high schools at an 18-kid roster, because that was the limit. You had 18 and you had two alternate, right, when you would travel in high school. So arguably, you're, what MLS Next is providing is a number less than what we've, that, that we put out historically. From okay, a, but to think about 54 players in an age group, you have... That's an age group. You have, four, you have five years. Age, of you have technically ah, five true, age True, true. Okay, U15, so my aha U16, moment is watered down a little bit. U18, U19, you know, based on how that graduation year goes. Totally get it. So you're at really like 216 players. 216. So let's add up all those schools that I talked about back in the day. You're still getting, you're getting up there. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and, and when we had Derek Burton on, he talked about how his, was it just Matt? Yeah. Oh, he was Viani. Or Viani. Somebody who was it we had from Desmet that had eleven guys from their senior or thirteen guys from their their class. I think it was Pat Noonan. Go to D one, right from a graduating like high school class. Yeah, from a yeah. graduating high school class. Which again, thirteen. If you, if you were to go back into those <clears throat> years and right. see like who would have made an academy, I bet there would have been probably nine, those, or ten of those thirteen oh, yeah, would have sure. made the top academy team. No, I think this is so important. I think this is the the critical data point that we weren't getting earlier, and. When you break it down by the number, not just the philosophical, oh, that age group, but when you say 54 kids, I mean, it's still only 9.9 scholarships per D1 program out there. So it, it's yeah, still at, at the finish line. But yeah, I would, yeah. God, I'm still, I need Dave Lang or, or somebody to do a statistical analysis of, of this problem. Somebody needs to write a dissertation. I'm sure there is one out there. But just what the probability looks like and then what that, Path, and I, I'm so I'm, I'm honestly sick and tired of hearing that term. Pathway, okay, because it's not a path. But it's let's break it down to journey, you know. when when we were. So, when I was at Gallagher, and there was the elite team was having so much success in state titles, yep. and then going to nationals. 
a lot of those that, that was the second tier in St. Louis at the time. Yep. There was only the academy, and then elite at Gallagher yep. was better than everybody else's club. Yep. Those kids were electing not to play in college. So if you're talking about like now the drive is if you're gonna go to MLS next, you're gonna you you're do want to play. Yeah. Like that's because there are a lot of great athletes. Well, that are like to, I'm gonna go do something yeah, else. No, to that's your point, point, we talked about uh, Timmy Velton's team, the Webster High, this past yeah. year. Yeah. So there's only one, and he's they, one in state. One. They won state in a very very tough marketplace. And only one player is going to play at a higher level at the collegiate level. Because the argument would be that the kids that live in Webster that could have played on that team chose to go the academy route or chose not to play at all. I don't know. Again, we need this, we need we need more numbers. I need I need a statistician. Somebody well, right. Well, I, I I think here's the thing. Let's let me let me ask you the the because um, the vitriol that we're getting is significant. Well, I have a theory. You know, having grown up in the public school system, having played Same. high school, um, you know, at that level, being competitive and in, in, in not knowing an academy environment, I know what it felt like to walk onto a field yep. with with fifteen hundred people there. You know, half of them are your student body, and it's a, it's this cerebral emotional effect that. It's extremely hard to replicate. I mean, no, college... It doesn't, it doesn't get replicated. College no. games don't have that. Not even... Rarely, until you get into the tournament, and maybe you've got... You know, yeah, go look at the games when they're on ESPN. You can look at the crowd, and there's, it's not... No, it's Like not. it is at, at Soccer Park on Field 1 in a state yeah, final. Yeah, it's, it's different. And I think it's very American. Um, it's Friday Night Lights. problem that we have. And it's not even really a bad problem. It's just a unique... I, I wanted to say I've, earlier there was a, a question you posed and I, and I had a two-part answer and I think I only answered one. The other part because was Zach interrupted. Sorry. You. The other part Maybe. was, <laughs> it is still so dominant in this country that education is above all. Oh so yeah. To sit here and say that, like, you guys have children. Do you want your children to get graduate degrees? Uh, I just want I just want them to buy me a car. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, and that's I think. And if if there is a flip going, that's great. If you were to ask this question to any parent four years ago, the answer is yeah, they have to go. to Oh, college. they have to go to college. It, 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 you're, that's a great question, Ren, because that answer four years ago would have been very different than it is now. For you, for so me you, personally, so you feel like there's an opportunity for Grady specifically, where you're like, if he didn't go to college and could pursue a professional career route. And it didn't work out, but he still pursued it. I'd be okay with that. Yes. And I think that's where what we were dealing with before in trying to, like, every kid, every parent was just like, I want him to get a college scholarship. Yep. So to sit there and say path to pro has a lot to do with also, like, the education system of, like, I don't have any children, but if I had children, I want my children to go to college. Yeah. Like, that would, I don't yeah. think that's changing. And maybe it is for you because you've seen now Grady in a different light, but... I would say for 99% of, of the oh, people it, that are... It's absolutely exposure related. I mean... Well, here, here's the other thing, too. And this is, you know, we talk about numbers. We talk about the... At the beginning of this episode, we talked about the popularity of the game and the increase in players that are interested in soccer and coming out, playing, you know, trying out at young ages and um, in high school programs that are getting more and more and yeah. more people trying out. Two freshman teams. Yeah. Okay, so, so if yeah. we're truly, if, if we're approaching this thing from an emotional standpoint 
and we are and we want to be altruistic and all-encompassing and provide these great experiences for high school kids and then on the academy side really hyper focusing and communicating out hey here's your paths this is what we're really working on the the the, the pro potential is a slim percentage that's you know that that is compounded by a factor of luck that you have no idea why wouldn't we be excited that these kids that are playing academy because they love their environment I rarely look it happens there are some kids that do not like the academy process and they come back down or leave or do their own thing that's that always happens but how many more doors are opening for those kids that there's there's spaces available you're opening the door to more kids to play high school yeah I, I think it's great I, 100% and then the opposite side of that is now there's more eyeballs on more kids in St. Louis to go play at higher levels. So it's like, you know, if you're saying there's 54 kids in an age group that are now getting looked at, argue by D1 programs at all these MLS Next showcases, then how, how does that not help all the kids in St. Louis? There's more opportunity to play the game at its grassroots, not to say grassroots is high school, but it's grassroots. There's more opportunities to play on freshman level teams because there's more spots and there's more kids and the popularity of the game's growing. There's more interest in the game. So, I mean, I have a, well, I said, I, I have a feeling, I, I have a theory and it's just knowing kind of the mindset of a lot of the coaches, um, just in general, while they they make it a lot about that experience, and they want to they, they, they want to make it like this high school cultural value growth standpoint. Let's be clear, they are still competitors, and part of the reason why they're pissed off because they're losing some of the best players. They're losing the play, best player. If it was oh, truly yeah. about yep the the altruistic stand, side of it. Hey, take more players away, right? Yeah, I'm sure you guys can imagine more. the amount of stories I've heard about the high school coaches in St. Louis and what they do to get academy players to not play academy. And well, so they, so they tell us the same stories on yep. the flip side. They do. You know, the, the threat of, oh, if you play high school, you, you can't come back to this team. And, you know, and I think there's a certain amount of truth both ways, implied and or direct. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so th this leads me to a question. How will, or how do you plan, or do you even care? Is there a strategy for Lufus in particular to start to look at the broader marketplace? Because you guys you guys have ECNL as well, correct? We know our second tier is NAL. NAL, okay. But you have, you, you have high school players. Yeah, obviously. 100%. Is there a strategy? or a directive or a, uh, a hope to engage high schools more moving forward to help those kids, or is it still left brain, right brain? Yeah, I would say right now it's probably still left brain, right brain. There's no um, current plan to partner with um, any high schools around here to figure that out. Um, and us joining the path, the full pathway where we're at right now has been really difficult to try and get kids, um, to understand that, I mean, you can think about our U19s. Yeah. Those are 2006s where they've had players, um, that have been in high school for three years and have got to experience that. And they've been stars at their high school 
as freshmen, they get to play varsity. And as sophomores, now they're leaders on their team. And juniors, now they're captains. And so they're going to their senior year, and we're like, no, come play the academy. So we, we have that, that discussion ongoing with players that are trying to decide, like, what is my career? Am I done with soccer after this year? Um, yep. And do I just want to see this thing out? Or do I want to try and get a scholarship via the pathway, MLS Next? Sure. All right. Um, I think we're beating a dead horse at this point. I, I don't. I don't. I still think there's there's, there's juice to squeeze. But I think, Ren, you have, to me, created a, a set of data points that make it a lot easier to have a realistic conversation about it. And for me, it wasn't an aha moment like you were having, but it was more just a, a crystallization of it, which is... I was struggling personally with the idea that there would be another academy um, that would take a kid who probably could be a star in the local high school and put them in, a, in an environment where there may be more eyeballs, but they're not going to get that high school experience. And so th that gamble that they might take by, t by going to one of the, you know, the, the other academies. But I think the way you put it, which is, if, if the messaging from Fuse to these kids and their families is, listen, the pro path, whatever, that's, whatever that is, right. is likely solidified for some of the kids that have already made it to City. To City at U15. If you haven't made City by U15, your chances of getting into the pros are not zero, but they diminish every year that you're not in that environment. Yeah, and Would, again, to that point, a City does change their roster up in their academy program. <laughs> Every year, yep. and that's that's what they should be doing because yep. there are players progressing at different rates. And by the time a Connor Bayless, who was at Fuse and wasn't on the academy, wasn't selected, and Fuse had an unbelievable year with that group of 06s, Connor was first selection. He's got to be in the academy, right? Yep. So, and who knows how he'll do in the academy? He was there this past year. Does he stay in the academy based off environment and the changes that come from being a high right. school star to being in the academy? But those are. So to say, if you haven't made it by U15, we definitely are not saying you can't make it. No. The goal for us is to continue to try and put players into... Yes, you, you, you are selling the you, environment. You just want to be yeah. in the mix. Exactly. You want to stay in the mix. As long as you're close to the secret sauce. Yeah. I don't think there's many players from high school soccer that are getting into MLS City at U17, if that's what I would... If, if you're sitting there saying they're not in a current... MLS Next program at U17, I think it's very difficult for a high school only player yeah something phenomenal would have to happen city. i mean it would have to be like uh an anomaly in growth or speed or something you know that it, that that isn't normal slash expected so well gentlemen i think we've ran the course because i believe you've got kids or you know yeah I, well technically i was supposed to be at work at two o'clock but <laughs> That's all right. Oops. Hey, Oops. priorities. Pri yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. After blowing us I'll off that long, I'll write you a note. I'll write you a note. Thank you. A doctor's note? Yeah. A doctor's note. <laughs> I've heard blowing you guys off like 10 times. Oh, I did not. I didn't I, say that. I think, I think I might put in the title of the episode, Rin Herzog finally didn't blow me off. <laughs> That'll be the title of this episode. Um, no, dude. Really appreciate it, man. Re appreciate your time, yeah. insight. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. We'll uh, we'll definitely we didn't get into other things that I want to talk. I want to you know next. I want to talk about the girls' side of yeah, things. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, the, the GA side and 
the growth of that, um, we'll set you know, date. success. We'll do an, we'll do another one. We will because I think the, the, the conversation was dominated because of the response of the, the high school versus academy, and 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 I appreciate you being willing to chime in on this because I know it's not easy. It can be a little icky at times. Um, <laughs> icky, like well, curry. A, no, <laughs> like Carlsberg beer. Um, Everyone's allowed to, to share their opinions. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I just I appreciate your candor. Um, it's a tough spot. I'm I'm excited for what you're doing uh, on the girl side, and I think we do need to follow up and do more um, on that piece of it. Well, I, I tell you what, I, what I would ask is, uh, why don't you wrangle up some staff members that are you know that are that are deep in that as well, and let's let's just get a little roundtable going and let's tell those stories because the girl side of the program that you guys are. Uh, rocking out. I mean, it's it's making waves. It is. I mean, um, we, could, we could have a whole episode on GA versus ECNL on the girl side. I mean, that's a whole nother. Yeah, that's a fun one. So, bees nest. Well, thank you for Hornets your time, nest. man. Really, really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, Zach is uh, yes, always. Thank you for paying the bar tab today. You, <laughs> yep. Just <laughs> find out about that. Okay. Oh, did you just find out? Yep. Thanks oh, for the shit. notice. Okay. Uh, Alligator arms. Hey, Pinnacle Boys. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. And if you're listening still. Um, God bless you. Uh, and send, <laughs> shoot us an email. Uh, yes, SoccerDadPod at GaslightSTL.com. Tell us which episode's your favorite. Make sure it's not the one with Ren. Um, <laughs> Definitely not. And please don't, <laughs> please don't shoot me an email. <laughs> I have enough of those. And uh, set yourself up for a chance to get four tickets to the City SC Austin game on 820. Uh Crescent Plumbing Supply, thank you as well for helping us out and saving marriages across the metropolitan area by <laughs> making the renovation process simple. And we are going to roll out here. Uh, again, share an episode. Just share it. It's free. You're not going to tip us. You're not showing up to buy us beers. Uh, so send it to a friend. Let them listen to it and be like, what the hell did you just send me? It's all good, man. Um, Zach, later. Ren, thank you. We're out. Thank you, guys. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys.